in dealing with these subjects, demons are subject to us. Demons are what? Subject to us. That's a tremendous statement. Many people don't realize that. I say it's a tremendous statement. Because those who lived in the days before the birth, the coming, and the ministry of Jesus could not say that. Do you understand what I'm saying? Uh, let me say that again. The expression from the mouth of the disciples of Jesus was a tremendous statement. It was a miracle. It was a manifestation of grace. When they said demons are subject to us, they were expressing a miracle of an extraordinary order. Because the people that lived, listen to me, in the days before the birth, the coming, and the early ministry of Jesus could not say that. Let me say, put it this way. The deliverance from evil spirits along with the grace of speaking in other tongues were two of the grace that the new covenant believer has that the old covenant believer never tested. Did you grasp that? Alright, so I'll go back to my introduction. Demons are subject to us, volume 4. Title, Understand the Nature of Evil Spirits. Hallelujah. Receive deliverance from them and walk in dominion over them. Or walk in triumph over them, whichever way you choose. Message number two, under volume four, Broken Borders, part nine. Broken Borders what? Part nine. I remember when I was writing the book, Demons Are Subject to Us. Broken Borders was the longest chapter. The editor who worked on the book told me, he said, you can't have all that stuff in one chapter. So divide it into two. I said, what am I going to? How am I going to divide it into two? What am I going to name one chapter or the other? So, the Holy Spirit said to me, you will keep the title, the, sub, the heading chapter title, Broken Borders, but you are going to have part one and part two. And now in teaching it, we have part nine. <laughs> Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. And for those of you, for the benefit of those of you who have not been here, we are in the fourth volume. And the first Three volumes are available on tape. So please, if you want to really get the best, the most out of this, you need to go and get the tape because there's no way I can go back and review it in order to get you on board with what has been said. But I'm going to start with tonight. I'll go, give, go back a little bit and give a little preview, a little review of what we have been saying at the present, for the present subject, what we have been dealing with now is the truth of the evil spirits invading the human personality. Amen? And the point is that we recognize from God's word that the human personality, hallelujah, is meant for one purpose, for, to be a dwelling for one person. And that person is God in the person of the Holy Spirit. Amen? 
and that evil or unclean spirits, otherwise known as demons, were originally designed to be in a place known as the abyss. And that's a place of damnation and condemnation. And that's where they belong. But that's the one place they don't want to be in. So they're let out and they parade themselves all over space. Hallelujah. And their target for its place of dwelling is the human personality. Do you see a violation right there? Do you see a violation right there? Huh? Amen. And that's the essence of this battle between evil and good. Is that evil always want to violate God's space. Praise God. Hallelujah. Evil always wants to violate God's purposes, his plans, and disrupt his provisions for his people. We need to get that understanding. But at the end, we thank God. Good prevails. Hallelujah. So, unclean spirits will not want to go to abyss, the abyss where they belong. And they want to go to that place that God has reserved for himself. That's the human personality. And another thing about the human personality is that the human personality is created originally to have dominion over all things, including creeping things of which demons are a part. But due to the fall, the table was turned around. And demons took the dominion. And the human personality came under demonic dominion. That's a violation. Praise the Lord. And that continued that way for thousands of years until Jesus came. One of the key things that Jesus came for was to turn that table back. That is why when he sent his disciples and they came back and said, look at the language, even. Whenever you see the word even in the Bible, especially in the New Testament, it's indicative of something previously unimaginable happening. I can tell you two major places that I see that word, even. The New Testament. One is where I'm talking about. They say, even the demons are subject to us in your name. Did you notice that? Even the demons are subject to us in your name. Another place that word even was used was in the conception of Isaac by Sarah. It says, even Sarah, listen, herself. You understand that? The first time it was Sarah through Hagar. Why? Because Sarah was ruled out. Sarah, nobody ever thought Sarah could conceive. Come on, praise the Lord. Does anybody follow? Does anybody follow what I'm saying here? Nobody. In fact, Sarah herself didn't believe she could ever conceive. And she was the one who suggested to Abraham, go into my maid. If you saw Sarah and saw her guys stand together, <laughs> And they told you Abraham was their husband, the husband, and he needs a child. You will say, Sarah, you've retired. Go sit down, Jerry. Hagar, come on. That was the picture. So when the writer of Hebrews was summing it up, 
He said, by faith, listen to this. Even Sarah, listen to me, herself, listen to what it says, received the ability. Literal Greek said, the ability to lay down eggs. <laughs> Amen. And I want to tell you here, as long as you, you, you can now exercise your faith, you will have an even in your life. No, I, okay, it's only this side I said amen. This side, uh, what are we going to do tonight? Okay, let me give you it another trial. I said, as long as your faith will be put to work by you, there will be an even moment in your life, in Jesus' name. In our lives, in Jesus' name. Even tonight, in Jesus' name. Does anybody hear me? Can you then shout a louder amen? Even the demons are subject to us in your name. So, that was a miracle. So, evil spirits, when they are cast out from the human personality, they go to dry places. And they do what? They say they will come back to their house. Audacity. <laughs> to call the human personality their house. That, and I like that. You know why I like that? When they call it their house, you need to wake up and rise up. I say, whose house are you calling your house? Do you understand what I'm saying? And you challenge them and say, no. This is my body, the Lord's house. Let me put it this way. It's your body, but God's temple. It's not your temple. It's your body. But that's not where you put the period. Where do you put the period? After you say, God's temple. Say after me. My body, my entire personality is the temple of Almighty God through the Holy Spirit by Christ Jesus. Amen. Praise God. So, for this purpose, God has surrounded the human personality with an impregnable spiritual wall of defense. The devil by himself cannot penetrate it and get through. But we have the ability to keep it or to weaken it. And guess what we do sometimes? We weaken it, get it compromised, and because of that, evil spirits get through, penetrate, and invade our human person. And that situation I refer to as broken borders. So let's review quickly the first seven. Is that correct? The first seven breaches, things that can cause breaches in the border. And we say that these breaches can be caused by what? Unbiblical what? Attitudes, is that correct? Words or manner of speaking, and what? Actions or what? Practices. The key phrase, the word there is unbiblical, unscriptural. Hallelujah. And with scriptural attitudes, with scriptural words and manner of speaking, with scriptural actions and practices, you strengthen the wall. Does that make sense to you? So number one is what? 
idolatry and false religions. Number two, uh, involvement in idolatry, personal or family, or ancestral or generational involvement in idolatry or false religions. Number two, involvement in occultism. Number three, involvement in cults. Is that correct? Number four, come on now, involvement in the new age movements or religion. Number five, help me, wrong doctrines, unscriptural doctrines, wrong doctrines and what? Heresies. Number four, number, number six, what's number six? Evil covenants, evil covenants. Number seven, is that today's? Yeah, okay, number seven. Let's look at what number seven says. Then my, my, my numbering is off a little bit. We'll fix it. Amen. So did we? Okay. Oh, okay. My numbering is in order. Number seven. Tattoos and body marks. Is that okay? Tattoos and what? Body marks. Tattoos may sound to you as something that just started, maybe in this 60s or 70s or 80s or 90s, but tattoos go way back. They were, they had their origin in the old covenant among the Canaanites. It was a part of the Canaanite total religious practice. And what, that is not I'm not talking only about tattoos and um, body marks on the skins. It includes the way a manner people shaved their head and their hair. A lot of them are ritual or ritualistic in nature. But apart from the Canaanites, also many cultures around the world practice tattoos. When I was growing up in Africa, I saw some kind of marks with ink, indelible ink on the arms of grandparents and some parents. How many of you saw that? Those were tattoos. Even though they were not mostly religious activities, it was more of cultural, but still, God forbids the making of marks on bodies. Certain tribes, in Africa especially, also used to be identified by marks also. Is that correct? But thank God those practices are not going on today. And those marks are not just empty because usually when the blood when the mark is made, the blood is usually taken. And some what do you call it? Uh, substances, usually black chalk, are rubbed in. And there's a kind of a covenanting going on there. Some other ritualistic or religious or Local medicinal marks we are being made sometimes on the hips, on the chest, on the chin, and all that. Sometimes in trying to heal people of certain illnesses. And those marks are used to initiate them into covenants with some demons. Those are ancient forms of what the 
tattoos in the Western world represent, and the, 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 the foolery of it is that the tattoos in the Western world are painted in such a way as to make them look ultra-modern. But they are ancient practices, and they are even much more now so involving and initiating into the spirit world. Are you all following what I'm saying? I have this example in my book. Um, around when I was writing it, it was when I was writing it. I woke up one morning to get my coffee, and um, usually my coffee and the newspaper. And I picked up the newspaper, the Daily News. And front page was something like a guy stands up from tattoo chair in a tattoo parlor, goes to pick. After the tattoo was made, he goes to the coffee counter to pick the coffee and to take some bagel. And he fell into a glass case, broke the glass case, got stabbed by broken glasses, rushed to the hospital, died in the ER. And here's the fullness of the story to, for you to get this. He, that's, that morning, he walked into the tattoo parlor. That was on Friday. And asked them, the, the tattoo that was invoked that time was known as Last Rites. How many of you remember that? Go and read the whole testimony in my book. And I'm not, I wasn't reading it in a Christian newspaper. And that's what amazed me. It was in a secular newspaper. He walked in, and the secular newspaper gave all this. And the secular newspaper, without being preachers and pastors, on, <laughs> and that's the most impressive. I, I read that article three times. I said, wait a minute. This is not some Christian writers. These are secular people. So the guy walked in and asked for uh, a, a tattoo job. So what do you want? He said, last rites. And after that, immediately he got off the, the chair. He, was, he felt hungry. Went to the case, um, to the coffee uh, center, um, pub, whatever it is, right in the same parlor. They offer complimentary breakfast. I've not been to a tattoo parlor, so don't say, Pastor, how do you know? <laughs> Got his coffee. And trying to get his bagel, fell on the glass case and died. So, when they carved the tattoo in his body, they gave him his last rites. You know what happened? He opened himself up to a dem the demon of death. Because the principle again is this. To whom you give your body or yourself a servant to obey to that person, you are a servant. And the, the boss here was a spirit of death. He opened himself up to it. They gave him his last right. And then he got up and experienced Amen? What he asked for. Praise God. And you can go on and on and on. And if you look at most of the tattoos that people get, you know, 
in my secular job and so on and so forth, we get to see a lot of tattoos. And I hear people around me start admiring, oh, I like your tattoo. I say, I don't. Do, do, do you understand what I'm saying? I, I, up to today, I don't understand why people will want to deface their body with tattoos. And you know what? It costs a lot of money to take them off. Uh, for years, you couldn't even take them off, but now they have laser. And you have to save up to get rid of it. You have to really what? Save up. You could use it to pay for a down payment of a house. Praise the Lord. Taking tattoos upon yourself. And there's no Christian tattoo, friends. I don't care what it is that you want to put on your body. God said, don't put anything on your body. And I will tell you why. He doesn't want you to put anything on your body. I'll tell you why in a, in a, in a moment. So look at the imageries that you see on the tattoo. A lot of them are, are fear-inducing images. Many of the pictures, you know, uh, what do you call it? Scorpions, snakes, serpents, tigers, uh, tazan, dragons, uh, skulls and bones. Um, skulls and bones, uh, some other things, dogs and cats, names, and what? RIPs, and then the dead people, and then boyfriends and girlfriends, and some of them had eloped. Some of them are with somebody else. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and you keep carrying their body, their images around, and you're stuck with them spiritually. Praise the Lord. Are you, are you, are you all following? So you are inseparable from those things. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. Amen. I said amen. So, uh, with these tattoos and body marks, remember, in most cases, in some cases, I say bleeding. And I'm not even going to talk about some medical complications. Because some, a lot of times, they're infection. Are you, are, you, are you all following? Amen. So, and here we include piercings too. Piercings, especially the strange, extraordinary unnecessary piercings, and sometimes a lot of the piercings have some spiritual and some immoral purposes. People can pierce any part of their bodies these days. Dangerous sometimes. People come for surgery and anesthesia with tongue piercings, which can dislodge and go into their lungs. And both the practitioner and every other person will be in trouble if they didn't get, get there on time. And sometimes get it on time, it's one of the hardest things to remove it. Sometimes the procedure may be canceled because of that. Are you all following all of this? And in any part of the body, they have these things. Places I can't mention this evening or ever. Praise the Lord. Are you all following? Okay, so a part of the a practice of demonism and the spiritism. And for that reason, God forbade his people. There are a lot of scriptures, but I will just take one. Let's go to Leviticus. Leviticus. And there are scriptures also in Corinthians. But we just take one because of time. 
I think is a clear case. Uh, Leviticus. I will take Leviticus 19. Are you there? Verse 28. Let me start from 26. You shall not eat anything with the blood, nor practice divination or soothsaying. You notice that both idolatry and occultism. You notice that? Huh? 26. You shall not round off, you shall not round off the side growth of your bears or harm the hedge, edges of your beards. That's a special cutting and styles that the pagans were practicing. You shall not make any cuts in your body for the dead, or make any tattoo marks on yourselves. I am the Lord. Why did he say I am the Lord? I own you. I am your owner. I don't want to share your bodies with any other person. Praise the Lord. Amen. Now, tattoo one, do not turn to mediums or spiritists. Do not seek them out to be defiled by them. I am the Lord, your God. Did you notice that? Amen. Now, you can go on and on and read a lot more. And that's the warning of the Lord. One of the reasons why the Lord does not want us to take any tattoo on ourselves. What I believe, I believe there's a twofold reason here. Apart from just the fact that he's the Lord. Number one is that the Lord has already tattooed us. You don't believe that? Okay. Here, let me say this to you. The Bible speaks about we bearing the mark of Christ. That's a tattoo. Uh, there's no other better word I can use now. That's a mark of Christ. If you're looking for a tattoo, if anybody suggests to you to get a tattoo, say to them, you already have something bigger and better than a tattoo. They say, what's that? You say, the mark of Christ. You say, what's, they say, what's that? They say, the mark of the Lord. And, and let me show you a scripture in Isaiah quickly. Go with me to Isaiah. Every one of us bears a mark here. Tremendous. Are you ready tonight? I've shared this scripture with you before, especially in the Bible class, but you forgot it. Go with me to Isaiah 44. Isaiah, the 44th chapter. Amen. Wake up, anybody that's sleeping. But now listen, oh Jacob, my servant. Amen. Listen, who? O Jacob, my servant, and Israel, whom I have chosen. Thus says the Lord, who made you? Thus says the Lord, who made you? And formed you from the womb, who will help you? Did you notice God's claim? Do you see God's claim there? All right, move on. But he has to have something to make that claim real. Do not fear, O Jacob, my servant, and you, Jeshurun, whom I have chosen. For I'll pour out water on the thirsty land and streams on the dry ground. I'll pour out my what? Spirit on your offspring. Look at that. Did you see what I told you about him putting his seal on you? Huh? That by his what? Spirit. The, the, the first part is his name. You notice that? When he say, thus says the Lord. The Lord there is his name. The spirit there is his, his uh, seal. And my blessing... On your descendant. Notice a singular blessing. Did, did you understand that? 
The blessing there is what? Singular. What did I tell you that means whenever you see it in the Old Testament? The Holy Spirit. On who? Your descendants. So it's a generational claim. It's a generational blessing. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. If you turn it around, you get generational curse. Hmm. Praise God. All right. On your offspring, and my blessing on your descendants. And they will spring up among the grass like poplars by streams of water. This one will say, I am the Lord's. Now, the Lord has been speaking, putting that claim. But you have to confess it. You have to recognize it by faith. Are you hearing me? And you have to confess it as your belief. And you have to have an attitude that speaks that. And you have to act in accordance to that. It's not enough to say it. Say after me, I am the Lord's. You know what it means? Okay. Let, 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 let's say it two more times. I am the Lord's. I am the Lord's. But brethren, don't let it just be a mere confession. It has to be an attitude. And it has to be followed up by words and action. Are you following? All right, moving on. Let me tell you who fears that. Satan and his demons. They are afraid of that. Okay, he says, I am the Lord's, right? What verse? This one will say, I am the Lord's. And that one will call on the name of Jacob. And another will write on his hand, listen to that, belonging to the Lord. Praise God. Isn't that tremendous? Amen. Under the new covenant, the Lord has already written that. Is called the mark of Christ. Are you all following? Amen. I am, and it says, belonging to the Lord, and will name Israel's name with honor. Thus says the Lord, the King of Israel, and his Redeemer, the Lord of hosts. I am the first, and I am the last, and there's no God besides me. Do you understand that? That's the Lord God, and that's his signature on you. Demons are frightened by the fact that you are the Lord's and that you bear a mark that says belonging to the Lord. And for that reason, you don't need to put on any tattoo. Years ago, a born-again Christian approached me. because She wanted to know. He said, Pastor, I want to get a tattoo on my body. Very respectful, sincere Christian. Sincere. But no matter how sincere you are, you need teaching. You understand what I'm saying? A lot of sincere Christians do stuff that are not biblical, that are out of work, just because they didn't have teaching. And this person joined us newly that time, and she wanted teaching. I said, "Why?" Say, just not a bad image. It's not a, just actually she wants to write scripture. I said, "No, you don't need to." Praise the Lord. Say, God has written on you already. Amen. Praise the Lord. Another reason we should be worried, we should be very careful about what goes on is that the Antichrist is going to put tattoos on people. Praise God. And the spirit of the Antichrist has not shown up. Many Antichrists, plural, have shown up. And the spirit of the Antichrist is already in the world. And a lot of things that are happening now are a pre-manifestation 
of the era, the things that happened in the era of the Antichrist, who is yet to show up. Even though he has not yet shown up, Antichrists, people that are anointed, that are impacted by the spirit of the Antichrist, and that spirit is already, the Bible says to us, it's already where? In the world. Praise God. It's just like before the true Christ came, his spirit was in the world through the prophets of Israel and the kings. Are you all following? And when he eventually came, that's why John the Baptist said, all he had all along is the spirit of his presence, but here, that is him. Are you all following? So we have to be careful. And the Lord has a mark. As you see the end of the age coming, he has a mark by which he spares his people. He identifies his people and sets them apart from the corruption of the world and from the power of the destruction that will come on this earth. We saw it in our Bible studies. Turn with me to Revelation 7. Revelation 7 quickly. Amen. Revelation, the seventh chapter. Quickly. Verse 1. After this, I saw four angels standing at the four corners of the earth, holding back the four winds of the earth, so that no wind would blow on the earth, or on the sea, or on any tree. And I saw another angel ascending from the rising of the sun, having the seal, listen to that, having the what? The seal of the living God. And he cried out with a loud voice to the four angels, to whom it was granted to harm the earth and the sea, saying, do not harm the earth or the sea or the trees until we have sealed the bond servants of our God on their foreheads. The Antichrist has his mark, but the true God has, also has his mark. People who would take the mark of the Antichrist will receive favor from the Antichrist. They could buy and sell, but at the end of the day, they'll be judged with the Antichrist. The wrath of God will come upon them. But those who take the mark of the true God will be spared from both the wrath of the Antichrist and the wrath of God. They are called the 144,000 saints. I will not be able to explain that here tonight. But at the end of it all, at the end of the tribulation, they will come out on the other side of the tribulation. And they will rejoin the Lamb on Mount Zion. And they will sing a new song. Hallelujah! I said, Hallelujah! Why would I defile my body with tattoo? With women wearing underwear on my body. With men wearing uh, 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 boxers. Um, yeah, some sort of crazy tattoo. With monkeys and apes and all kinds of things. My body. Every time you see them, oh, you got a new tattoo? Yes. <laughs> it's crazy. That's the day and age people live in. Now, if you're a believer and you did get tattoos in the past, or you have repented, you're a born again Christian, you are not condemned. Are you hearing me? You are not what condemned, even if you are not able to afford to remove them. As long as you are now in Christ. All things have passed away. And all things have become what? New. And all the things that have become new are of God. And you have to keep them. Make sure they are of what? 
God. Uh, if you cannot remove them, when you look at them, don't feel condemned. Are you all hearing me? If you can afford to remove them, remove them. But if you cannot, what happened on the cross has swallowed them up. And by the way, we all have a new body. With, new bodies waiting for us. Are you all hearing me? Praise the Lord. Now, but that's not an incentive for you to run around and say, Pastor, say we have new bodies. Let me go and get one. Because I'm going to shed this one when the trumpet sounds. If you miss the trumpet, Antichrist sees you with that tattoo, you're done. <laughs> Praise God. Is that okay? Just wave on to the Lord. Say, belonging to the Lord. Say, belonging to the Lord. One more time. Now say, I am or I belong to the Lord. My household, my family, my relations, my children, present and future, grandchildren, descendants. <laughs> we all belong to the Lord. Number eight. Quickly, and we close on number eight. Number eight, names. Names. Did you get that? Names. Another way that evil spirits, names and naming. That's number eight, names and naming. Another way by which the human personality, the wall, the spiritual wall around the human personality can be compromised is by names and naming. Praise God. Hallelujah. By names and naming. By nature, names go beyond mere words. Of course, even at that, words are what? Things. And things are what? Words. Words convey things. What is it? Microphone. Now, you know that microphone is a word. But it speaks about a thin microphone to the extent that even if you don't see this thing, use the microphone, and as somebody says, give pastor a microphone. The word describes a thing, even when that thing is not in your presence, in your face, before your face. Is that correct? Right. Because words are things, and things are words. Praise God. Now, when it comes to name, names bear with them, apart from the immediate description, they bear with them nature. The nature of the thing that bears that name. The destiny. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. The character. Sometimes the function and operation of the thing, of the thing named. You believe that? Praise God. Amen. So, some names, names always have connotations. So, the connotation may be evil or good. 
The connotation may be ungodly or godly. He may be positive, negative, or positive. Is that correct? Praise God. And because it has or carries with it these realities, it also carries with it the spirits that are behind those realities. Are you all following? Praise God. So when you name a thing, you give that thing, along with that name comes the nature of that thing. Listen to this. The character and the destiny of that thing. Naming is a high, very spiritually important thing. Have you noticed that when God created all things, that was, he was supposed to name the things he created. But there was only one, another person in the universe he gave the privilege of naming the things. Who was that? Adam. And you know what was amazing? The Bible says he came to Adam to name the things that he had created. And that everything Adam named those things, God accepted it. And after that, he so admired Adam. He felt satisfied with Adam's functioning. That was when he said, it is not good for the man to be alone. It means this man is up to something. He is my replica on earth. He has done what I'm supposed to do by naming the things I created. In other words, Adam had such faith. As a matter of fact, God showed me that Adam had a gift of faith in order to be able to name the things that God has given. In other words, he received exactly the same insight that God exercised when he was creating those things. Yes, how the Holy Spirit showed it to me. He said to me, can a car company, like Mercedes, Honda, Toyota, whatever, make a car and just send you a letter to come and name the car? I said, no. So why not? Because I don't even understand their language. Do you understand what I'm saying? You know, they, they, they make these cars and they help you a little bit to understand. They say at the, at, at the back they put V6. V8. Some of you don't even know what it means. <laughs> Praise the Lord. Or uh, four-wheel drive, four-by-four, four, and all those things. Those things have meaning. A four-cylinder, six-cylinder, and so on and so forth. They have meaning. So... Like an average person just goes there, pays money, and says, give him my car. Finishes using the car, he doesn't even know what. The last car, the car before last, that I leased for my wife. The week I was going to return it after four years, I went to wash it. The last car wash service, I went. And the guy is cleaning the car, went to the back, opened the, you know, the rear glass without opening the trunk. I said, wait a minute, what did you just do? He was looking at me. I said, so you can do that? Yes, I just did it. Last week, in four years. I almost slapped him. I almost asked him for my money back. That happens with all your phones. 
You buy phone, he has this, you say, I want it. He has this, I want it. All the features, he says, 10 modelers, he say, add. 15 modelers, he say, add. Because you are planning to use them, you never get to use them. Is that not true? In fact, sometimes you forget that those things are there. When a new one comes, they remind you that you had that one. They really? <laughs> Praise the Lord. Because we are about just entering and running. We don't sit down. When was the last time we read manual of anything? And they tried to help us. They step the manuals down now. The quick, there's a quick manual. You use that to know how to start the thing. You pack the other one. In fact, they have realized many phones don't come with manuals anymore. You notice that? They say if you want the manual, go online. Let the papers rest at least. Because you read it. Is that true? The cards are still coming with manual. We thank God for that. Amen. So that's the point. There is something about naming. Have you noticed that every person God was going to use in the Bible that was not named by God, God had to change their name? Have you noticed that? When Abraham came to him, it was Abraham changing to Abraham. The wife was Sarah, he changed it to Sarah. I will talk about that some other time. I told you before what that represents. Amen? Jacob, he said, we can't go with that name. He made him Israel. Look at the great man, Paul. He was Saul of Tarsus. Change it to Paul. One of the people God didn't have to change their name was Isaac. You know why? Because he gave the name even before conception. Not even from, from the belly. Before conception. He gave the name. So when he came up, he didn't have to change it. Have, have you noticed that? You may be changing some names here. Nicknames. And all that. Don't people call you any kind of nickname. Otherwise, you're done. Praise God. Praise God. So it's important what names you have or you have. Last name, first name, middle name, middle initial, all kinds of names. And nicknames. Very important. Amen? So, godly names come with potentials. If you have a godly name, there's a potential in that name that the Holy Spirit is willing to actualize in you. Praise God. Did you hear me? If you took a name that is not biblical, evil spirits come with those names and they walk to nail day and night to actualize the evil purposes that that name represents. You believe that? Don't let anybody fool you. Turn with me to 1 Samuel 25. 1 Samuel 25. So please, please, see, in the Western world, they, and, and you know what? We, sometimes we say that the name, is certain names have no meaning. Is that correct? Uh, people are named drink water. <laughs> no, I'm saying, haven't you heard that name? Drink water, Kilpatrick. Kilpatrick. Or Kickpatrick. All kinds of things. 
Don't even say those names have no meaning. Even the names you think have no meanings, they have meanings. You know, you know their meanings? Meaninglessness. Oh, you don't understand. You know that meaninglessness can work out in a person's life. Vanity. So please, when you're about to name your child next time, or your grandchild, please take the Bible. I see people, born again Christians, still naming people names just because they sound good. It's not about the sound. Amen? A lot of you are smart enough not to name children Judas. And Jezebel. Have you seen people being named Judas and Jezebel? But sometimes you name them strange names that are worse than those ones just because they sound good. Oh, the, the lady years ago. You remember that, that story? Actually, I thought about it. Years ago, a, a, a member of this congregation invited a girl, a young lady who experienced some terrible situations. The teenage daughter has just died and had another incident, and later she came back with a diagnosis of breast cancer. And her name was unprintable. Her name was. Yeah. I don't want to say it too loud. I, I, I did every counseling in the world to get her to change the name. I was ready to give her a new name, which I've done on location. Remember the girl in uh, St. Martin? Changed her name after she got her deliverance because she had a real demonic name. And she wouldn't. She went back. The last time, next, last time she came, she had that diagnosis. I said, how did you get the name? He said, the mother gave it. How? How did the mother get the name? There was a singer when she was born years ago that had the name. The mother loved like the singer and named her child. But God says, I know the plans I have for you. Plans of good, not of evil. Some versions say not of calamity. To bring you to an what? And you see how contrary that name is to God's purposes in Scripture. I showed her that Scripture. And it's not that she's to be burdened by paperwork. And all that. She says she doesn't want to change it. There was a covenant there. No, did you hear me? There was a covenant there. Are you in First Samuel twenty-five? Huh? Okay, quickly. Quickly. First Samuel. Twenty-five. Fifth chapter. I will start from verse 23 to verse 25. Amen. There was a woman, uh, there, there, there was a man who, whom David, King David, had helped in his running from Saul. He and his servants ran into this guy and helped his, this guy's uh, shepherds and helped them, protected them, did everything kind of thing for them. At the end of the day, David made a request from them. They say, let's tell our boss first. They told the man. The man said, who's David? I want to ignore him. I'm not giving him anything. David got the news. That was one of the few occasions David was angry. 
David went for the man's house. <laughs> he got on the way and met the man's wife on the way. And here's the discussion between them. The man's wife was named Abigail. The Bible said, when Abigail saw David, she hurried and dismounted from her donkey and fell on her face before David and bowed himself, herself to the ground. She fell at the feet and said, on me alone, my Lord, be the blame. And please let your maidservant speak to you and listen to the words of your maidservant. Next. Please do not let my Lord pay attention to this worthless man. Nebal. Will anybody name their child Nebal? Don't make me say, you know, some of you don't read the Bible. You hear it, it says, that sounds great. Nebal. And they'll be called Nebal. What's the name? Nebal. People twist their tongue and they think it sounds good. Say, my son is Nebal. It's Nebal. You know, people, they like things that sound good. Sounds good to me. What's the name again? Nebal. Sounds good to me. I'm calling a child Nebal. <laughs> it's Nebal. You know, people correct you every time. They can even correct you speaking your language. Nebal. Excuse me. For as his name is, <laughs> so is he. Nebal <laughs> is his name, and folly is with him. Did you get the message? Names have meanings. But I, your maid servant, did not see the young men of my Lord whom you sent. If I had seen them, this would not happen. Abigail, wonderful woman. Did you notice that? David, listen to that woman. Listen to me. You have to learn to listen to me. He was a king. Hey, anointed man. I don't listen to anybody. I'm going to do what I want to do. David came, went home. In less than a week, the man, that thing he didn't give to David. He was celebrating a feast for it. Before the feast was over, he died of heart attack. Right there. Abigail said, didn't I tell you? And guess what? Abigail ended up being David's wife. One of David's wives. Praise the Lord. No, giving to God can save your life. Especially if you don't have a good name. And you need to be spared. Were you blessed tonight? Amen? Oh, well, I didn't holler so much and so on. As if I did. But this is one of the things that you may have to do. You may have to change your name if it wouldn't involve so much. to do. And change it. Sometimes... People walk in the modern society. Something wrong. But it has to be Then it's easy to change it. But when you look at the document, what God can always have it. In the in ministering deliverance to people, the first point place I start is names. What are your names? You tell me, write it down, we analyze it. Dealing with that may change your name. 
Praise the Lord. When next you have to name a child or anybody, please know right there that you're dealing with destiny. You're dealing with nature. You're dealing with character. I can go on and give you much more, many more examples around them about people who act out their name on the negative and on the positive. Please name your children biblical names. Not quote modern secular names. And when they have meanings, let them have biblical meanings. Don't give names that mean beautiful flower. It's okay to have a beautiful flower, but give some real... I don't know if you understand what I'm saying. Somebody, I was reading somewhere today, I found out the meaning of Philip is lover of horses. I wouldn't give anybody Philip, even though it's in the Bible. People bore Philip. You understand what I'm saying? It's a Greek name, but that's what it meant. Are you, are you hearing me? But today, I would rather give something. Yeah, even though there are people who bore it in the Bible, I think one of the apostles bore it. But he, he came in, he was living under a Greek culture at that time. It's not an evil name. Don't get me wrong. But it's just plain secular name. I'll go beyond that. Do you understand my point? I'm finding a name that has a tangible biblical meaning. There are a whole lot of names in the Bible that have strong meaning, but they don't sound good to you. That's why you don't hear people name their children Obadiah. Or Zerubbabel. You can make it bold. Praise the Lord. Say, but you don't run. Say, come on. Because I say zero bubble. Come here. You have the part of the prayer. Come. No, grandchildren will be coming soon. So be careful what you prepare now. Don't be laughing and telling me that. I'm going to ask you, what's the name? Better get a good name. I trust you. Your, your children already bear wonderful names. Shall we rise? Amen. Come on. Let's, let's thank the Lord. Let's move on to it. Uh, we are going to pray general prayer today. I want to be